Hey, this is Mark A. Altman. And if you're a fan of this podcast, you already know the 50-year mission is definitive oral history of Star Trek. And Secrets of the Force will tell you everything you want to know about the history of Star Wars. But what you probably don't know is Ed Gross and I have a new book coming out this July. They shouldn't have killed this dog. The complete uncensored ass-kicking oral history of John Wick, Gun Fu, and the new age of action. Coming from St. Martin's in hardcover, digital, and audio. You can order it today. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman. This is Darren Doctorman, and we are the Inglorious Trexperts. See, I thought it was a classic femme fatale. Just so much fun. Like that Shakespearean lace in your acting. I said, Gene, what do you want from this character? I want you to just take the character and make it your own. (laughs) (laughs) I had a good time on the film. On day one, the movie was already $15 million over budget. We started this movie without an ending. That's like painting yourself into a corner. I don't think we've ever had a Star Trek oh, captain on our true. show. Being, as you said, number one of the, on the call sheet, it is a producer's position if you're going to take it seriously. I was so glad they didn't cast me as Lorca. <laughs> <laughs> you famously wrote that script in 12 days. On one level, I wrote the script. And on another level, the story was written by everybody and his brother. New episodes every Saturday, wherever you listen to podcasts, or download the Electric Now app. Keep on trekking. Ingloriously, of course. Inglorious Trexperts, the only podcast for fans with a life, is available every Friday, wherever you listen to podcasts, and on the free Electric Now app. Download it today. Hello and welcome to Best Movies Never Made, a podcast where we talk about interesting and infamous movies that never made it to or through production. Most of the time, the movies you're trying to make don't get made. Like, four of them may happen, one of them may happen, none of them may yeah. happen, and I'll be attached to three more things by end of summer. Turn the script into something resembling like Unforgiven with Conan. Yeah. Suddenly the rights expired and the whole thing just like went away oh. overnight. New episodes will be available every other Monday. We won't see you at the movies. Best Movies Never Made, as featured in Entertainment Weekly, is available wherever you listen to podcasts and on the free Electric Now app. Hey, this is Mark A. Altman, and this is the 430 movie. Welcome to On the Sly Week. <laughs> hey, this is going to be a really great week about the movies of uh, Sylvester Stallone. And I got with me some real knuckleheads. <laughs> On Monday, it's Steve Melching. Yo, Adrian, I did it. Tuesday, <laughs> it's the turtle himself, Darren Doctorman. I got Cuff and Link right here. On Wednesday, Ashley Edward Miller. Uh, I am the (laughs) walrus. And on Thursday, it's me, Mark A. Altman. And as always, on Friday, it's dealer's choice. Nobody. It's nobody. (laughs) As we we argue over what the the perfect choice is to end your week with the perfect film. So uh, this week, sometimes uh, it's a pick that salvages the week. Yeah, like uh, yeah, never mind. <laughs> my God, I, 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 my son was very irate about um, Schwarzenegger week. He he said, first of all, it needed to be a month, and and <laughs> secondly, he said it should have been 
uh, Commando, Predator, Terminator 1, Terminator 2, and Total Recall. And I, I'm like, uh, well, that's not what they picked. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's not a bad week. Although yeah. I got to say, week uh, at all, but, but that's not the show. Yeah, we don't do good weeks on this show. Wait, <laughs> we don't do good weeks. <laughs> I, I did, uh, thanks to uh, uh, Darren's pick, I did watch Pumping Iron uh, that week, ah. and uh, it was terrific. I'd never yeah. seen it before. Yeah, well, there you, go. there you and go. Darren's recommendation, I watched Return of the Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> and I, you know what? I, I was right, wasn't I? I thought I would, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, Steve watched uh, Cheech and Chong's next movie, having forgotten he'd watched it before. <laughs> oh, wow, man. Oh. I thought it looked familiar, man. <laughs> we should tell people the reason, like, why we skipped a week is because we recorded the 420 movie for the 430 movie and, like, totally forgot that we were missing a week. <laughs> you know what? We didn't get called out on it. We didn't. Uh, uh, we didn't, which is strange because... The listenership continues to be up this season. We're 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 really doing really doing well. And I I thought we were going to get a lot of and up yours. A lot of people complaining about the fact that uh, uh, we 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 missed a week, but uh, we didn't because uh, there were plenty of other shows they could listen to, and uh, they were still recovering from I guess the previous weeks. You know what? We didn't do that real real well. I couldn't believe it. it was our season premiere was was down. But then everything since has been through the roof. And I think it's because we called it the best of the 430 movie. I think people thought oh. it was a repeat. Oh. oh. Yeah. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Stupid rerun. Well, yeah, they put, thought it was a rerun. Put in and, and change the title and call it the worst of the 430 movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. But yeah, you know what? That actually would be an interesting experiment, like to uh, to to drop the same episode, like when you do a, a repeat, special repeat presentation, but change the title. And see, see, like, what happens. See, see, see if people listen to it again. Yeah. You'll or like it again and again. Before, go, oh, it was a new episode. Like that. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, well I think there's so many the other podcasts. It's a movie, but not a repeat. So many other podcasts to listen to. And especially, I think, also, you know, that we had recently had Steve on Inglorious Trexperts. So it almost felt like an episode of the 430 movie. <laughs> sure. So yeah. there you go. But this week is all about the films of. Sty, sty, sly, 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 I thought 420 movie was over. So, uh, Sly Stallone, and uh, obviously, he has been a staple of cinema now almost for over 50 years. Uh, he's been a huge box office star, uh, he's an icon of cinema. And, Steve, tell us a little bit about uh. Uh, the career career trajectory of uh, of the st- 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 <laughs> Mr. Stallone. Well, you know, I, I, I'm I'm not an expert on Sly Stallone, but that said, uh, this is a man who is very easy to underestimate. A, a lot like Arnold Schwarzenegger, in that, you know, those guys both kind of present themselves as these muscle heads. Um, that are, you know, incredibly uh, successful, popular uh, movie stars. But they also had a very strong hand in their own careers. And you could say, you know, they both built their bodies I- I- into uh, the uh, the iconic sculptures uh, that they became. Um, but they also, you know, built their careers. And in the case of Sylvester Stallone, he started out as someone who was doing small roles in television and, and uncredited 
roles in various films. Uh, and uh, then he he wrote his star vehicle. Yeah. Um, and uh, this is a man who was nominated for three Oscars over his career. And, you know, he, he's easy to underestimate. But I, th- I think you're a, you're you know, you're a fool to underestimate this guy. Yeah, it's an amazing Horatio Alger story in a sense. You know, you look at him and I think, you know, somebody who didn't know him, they say, oh, he's just this big muscle bound, you know, Rambo type. And uh, but, uh, you know, he created his career off a script. And to his credit, he had studios that wanted to buy the script from him. And he was smart enough not to sell the script unless he was attached to star. And that led to an amazing career and a diverse career. I don't think people realize how many different types of roles and and really what a fine actor he is when he wants to be. Obviously, there are paycheck gigs and then there's passion gigs. And uh, he is really, you know, quite a, a gifted actor. And, and, and a writer as well. He's written dozens yeah. of scripts, you know, some better than others. But, um, you know, a lot of them are really solid. Yeah. And a director as well talented director and uh it's funny when i was uh in sofia doing the show um someone was telling me at the hotel where i would stay sometimes the marinella uh that's where uh the cast stayed for um uh <laughs> for expendables? the expendables yeah oh. and uh <laughs> one time uh the, so the elevator doors open near stallone with these two hulking bodyguards and they uh start to walk in they're really excited it's like Sylvester Stallone, and a giant hand comes out and goes no <laughs> and the doors just closed. <laughs> so that was their big uh, brush with uh, sliced alone. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It's not quite like meat and Keanu, is it? Yeah. We actually filmed <laughs> it. Ice cream. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. You meet Keanu Reeves and like he'll go out for a day on the town. It's like that great Ben Skil- uh, St- uh, Stiller skit. Uh, you know, uh, my day with Scotty, friends with Scotty. He dreams he dreams he's pals with Jimmy Dewan and they go out and have a great time together. Um so yeah, that's the difference between Keanu and Sliced Alone. Um and speaking of Keanu Reeves, don't forget my book comes out this July. They shouldn't have killed his dog in paperback, hard not in paperback, and hardcover, uh audio and digital. So don't miss that coming out this July. They shouldn't have killed his dog. The complete uncensored ass-kicking oral history of John Wick, Gun Fu, and the New Age of Action. End of promo. Yeah. Well, keeping in mind that they probably already heard a promo for that uh, before the episode. Well, you so. can never hear too many promos. <laughs> so for, many promos for this, uh, for this because I, I really like this book. This is a good one. You know, I, 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 I as opposed to all the other yeah. ones that you hate it. Well, the Star Trek book's great. Star Trek book's great, but you know, uh, the, the John Wick book's great. John Wick's book's great. Uh, you know, some are better than others. This is this is a good one. Can I they're, say? they're entertaining films. I honestly don't know very much about their origins. Um, so uh sounds like an interesting book. You will after you read they should have are we gonna do a John Wick half week? Or, um, <laughs> <laughs> to, to celebrate. Week. 
Wick Wick Week. We could yes. do Lighting the Wick Week, and it could be John Wick and the films that inspired John Wick. Like you could pick a, Atomic, Atomic Blonde, or Hard Boiled, or you know, like you could do films that were inspired or inspired. I wouldn't put Nobody. By the way, I just watched Nobody. We were talking before oh, we came is that on the, the air. Odenkirk? Yeah, we were just yeah. talking about yeah. Better Call Saul, which is obviously one of the great shows in the history of TV. It just had its season premiere, uh, the, you know. Um, but I, so I watched Nobody. I was really excited about seeing it. I really liked Derek Kolstad as a writer, as a person, and uh, it sounded really cool. It's not very good. Uh, not very good. Did you guys see it? I have not seen it. I haven't seen it. it. Almost it, it, watched it this last weekend, actually. Yeah, it's yeah. on uh, HBO, the HBO Max. Yeah. Yeah, as is the uh, the Batman, which just uh, debuted just, on HBO. Just Max. dropped today. Yeah, indeed. Did you watch the Joker scene, uh, the deleted Joker mm. scene, a couple yeah, of weeks I, ago? I, I, I watched it. You didn't like it? I really liked it. No. I thought it was a great. I liked it a lot. No, it's completely unnecessary, and we don't need to go over the Joker again. And I agree, but we, that's why I like the Hannibal Lecter. We Joker do want to go over the Joker, not the one they yet. put in the movie, the deleted scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I saw the deleted scene. Oh, I didn't like it okay. at all. I liked it. Overwrought. Okay, there you go. So they shouldn't have cut the Joker scene, my new book. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, guys. So we're we're here to talk about Sylvester Stallone. Right. And I don't want to talk too much about his career because obviously we'll start to talk about some of the movies that may or may not be picked. Right. Um, so uh, <laughs> you know, it's funny when I was thinking about this episode. Do you remember? I, I actually wouldn't know about this. this is, there was this wonderful, um, uh, in, I guess they call it an industrial or promo that Seagram's made when they bought the, um, <laughs> yes. the Universal. Your studio and you. Yes. yes. Now with just a few more changes and some attractive porcelain deer, our gate is now artist friendly and ready for the future. So how do you feel now, Miss Actress? I feel welcome and relaxed from a meeting at Universal. That's splendid. Too bad the part you want will probably go to Demi Moore. What? Oh, nothing. Here, have a wine cooler. Compliments oh. of your new studio. Thanks. Now, don't open that until you park. Now, what else will make our studio artist-friendly? Well, how about that old black tower? In the past, many meetings have taken place there, but some people find it rather unappealing. it. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. You know, foreboding is the word that best describes it. You know, it's like real severe, you know. I mean, just the name like Black Tower. <laughs> I never want to go there. We certainly don't want to breed fear and contempt into our guests. So let's try some different colors. How about the White Tower? Or the Plaid Tower? That's right. Now let's just add a porcelain deer for decoration. And Steve used to show that as at his house. It was made by Trey Parker, I and believe. Yeah. And Matt Stone, and it was sort of like welcome uh, to the welcome you know, to, to the, the family. Yeah, and it was <laughs> every actor now had to like basically do a promo for Seagrams. Not unlike except me. this free wine cooler. <laughs> Here's a deer. <laughs> it was so great. It was so great. Um, and, it's got to uh, be on YouTube. Look, look for it on YouTube. It's very funny. Your studio and you. Yeah. How many times has the studio been sold since then? Let's think. So oh, after God. Seagrams, then. Um, well, Comcast, obviously. Was there something between Seagram's and Comcast? Wasn't there um, a French company between Seagram's and Comcast? Yeah. Uh, or was Seagram's the French company? No, Seagram's was the... Uh, I feel like there was know, a company if, in between. There might have been. I can't remember. I wish Viacom Probably. would get sold. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> well, 
Give it a little more time. Yeah, yeah. By the way, for those of you who have not checked out yet on Paramount Plus, uh, Darren Docterman's Star Trek Motion Picture Director's It's edition. not Darren Docterman's Star okay, Trek it, Motion okay. Picture. <laughs> Robert Wise's Star Trek The Motion Picture Director's Edition. You really, look, I, you can see it at Fathom. Fathom's thrown on the big screen. Uh, but if you don't, you got to watch it on Paramount Plus. It's it's really fantastic. We're all so proud of Darren here at the show. Thank you. Um, uh, and his, you know, the wonderful mm-hmm. team, Mike Medicino, Dave Fine, uh, um, Adam Mojo Leibowitz. What a great group of Make people. Make it your 430 movie. <laughs> and, uh, and then watch it again at 730. That's right. Have you seen it yet, Ashley? I have not because even though I can, it's queued up. I have not because I am waiting uh, to see it as part of the, the Fathom events uh, presentation in, right. uh, in the beginning of May. I want to see it on the big screen. And uh, and uh, end of my boy with end of May, 22nd, 23rd, and 25th. Yes. It really is. It's really really terrific in that uh, you could see this through uh, to its logical conclusion. And um, I I just, I just enjoyed the hell out of it. So uh, really, really well done. A hearty, a hearty congratulations. And did you know that uh, Sylvester Stallone was supposed to be in that film? Uh, No, I didn't know that, Darren. Yes. Playing Ilea. No, he was. Well, not. it's funny it you not. say that. We'll get to that. Okay. Uh, the Kirk unit. <laughs> fortunately, what we got back didn't live long, fortunately. Movies that Sly Stallone was almost in. Next on the 430 movie <laughs> The Muppets Rambo. Okay, so starting on Monday, it's Steve Melching. Tell us uh, what we're going to be watching on Monday, Steve. Well, Monday is a, uh, one of my personal favorite Stallone films. Uh, it's actually the first Stallone film I saw. I saw it on video. Um, I, was, I had been aware of Stallone for, for many years by this point, but I had not seen any of his movies. And <laughs> believe it or not, this is a movie. Uh, it was uh, an R-rated film that my creative writing teacher showed in class in high school over two days. And uh, it was kind of crazy that he showed this movie to a bunch of students, but uh, I thought it was great. And it, it's become one of my favorites. And uh, I'm talking about 1982's First Blood. John Rambo, a drifter, just passing through their town. Morning. Headed north or south? North. Now jump in. I'll make sure you're heading the right direction. Huh? You got some place I can eat around here? There's a diner about 30 miles up the highway. Is there any law against me getting something here? Yeah, me. I want you to book this gentleman for vagrancy, resisting arrest, carrying a concealed weapon. They knew he was innocent. I'm starting to dislike you. Lot. And they didn't give a damn. That's okay, Warren. Don't worry about the soap. He's tough. Just shave him. Drag. Don't move. I don't want you to catch your own throws. John Rambo. One man who's been pushed too far. You're finished! You've got as far as you're gonna go! And straight for the top. Right on top. There's no way out of here except through us. He was hunted. Trapped. There he is! On the cliff! Forced to fight back. Don't push it. 
should I'll give you a war you won't believe. Teasel, you and all your men couldn't handle him before. Now, what makes you think you can handle him now? Because God knows what damage he's prepared to do. You don't seem to want to accept the fact that you're dealing with an expert in guerrilla warfare. Are you telling me that 200 men against your boy is a no-win situation for us? You send that many, don't forget one thing. A good supply of body bags. Sylvester Stallone. This time, he's fighting for his life. First Blood. Uh, mm. Directed by Ted Kotcheff. Uh, written by Michael Kozell, William Sackheim, and Sylvester Stallone, who did a major, uh, pretty much page one rewrite uh, on the script. Uh, it was based on a novel um, by David Morrell, which uh, was significantly more violent uh, than the film turned out. And uh, the character of Rambo was uh, a far less sympathetic character. And um, the novel had uh, had come out in 1972 and uh, w- went through a number of hands uh, before it, it landed with Stallone, uh, who was able to get it made based on uh, his uh, expanding star power uh, at the time by the early 80s. And uh, there were a number of major directors that were attached to it or courted for it uh, in the years leading up to it, including John Badham, John Frankenheimer, Martin Ritt, Sidney Pollack, and Mike Nichols, of all people, and a whole laundry list of pretty much every major movie star of the era was was either attached or courted for the main roles, including uh, uh, um, uh, uh, Clint Eastwood, uh, Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, John Travolta, Dustin Hoffman as John Rambo. Can you imagine that? Persis (laughs) Kambata. So it went through a number of iterations uh, uh, before it landed with uh, Kotcheff and producer Buzz Feitchens, who was also Arnold Schwarzenegger's producer on a number of his films. Uh, And uh, Stallone uh, gravitated toward the material, but he felt that Rambo needed to be more sympathetic. So uh, a couple of the major things he did was um, he made sure John Rambo was not directly responsible for killing any police officers or National Guardsmen. Uh, and he also changed the ending, although they yeah. did film two endings yeah. uh, to the film. Spoiler alert, one in which he lives and one in which he dies. Obviously, he lives because there are a number of sequels to, to this film. Uh, yeah, because think- the original ending of the book, he does kill himself and um no and, actually actually troutman kills him in the oh, book. Tra- that's right troutman kills him troutman uh, blows his head off yeah. with a shotgun because they like didn't have this warm relationship in the book in fact that yeah. was the reason it's interesting because originally kirk douglas was cast yes. as troutman and one of the reasons he left he, 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 was, he was actually, actually on set yes and when he found out they were going to change the ending um he he laughed. In fact, Chris Mulkey tells the story. You know, I'm doing a documentary in 1982, and he told the um, the story uh, in the documentary in 1982, greatest geek year ever. How he was arriving on set and then getting into the van, leaving the set was uh, Kirk Douglas. They said, "You just missed Kirk Douglas. Where's he what? going?" And they said, "Yeah, he just quit the movie." <laughs> <laughs> so they got like Richard Crenna in like no time, and it completely changes the movie because, of course, they have this really interesting relationship rambo and troutman and yeah. then of course troutman became very important in the sequels as well 
Yeah. And I'm, I'm getting great. out of here. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, you know, uh, and, and in spite of that sort of torture journey to the screen, the film was a huge success. Uh, it only cost about $15 million to make, and it grossed over 125. Uh, even in that banner year of 1982, uh, it was, I think, the 13th highest grossing film uh, that yeah, year, amazing. which is pretty I, impressive. The funny thing is, the reason the next film got released by TriStar and not by Orion is that, uh, um, you know, Mario Casar and, and uh, you know, Karolko felt that uh, Orion hadn't put enough money into P&A and marketing it. So they didn't want them to release the sequel. And Orion hadn't, when they made their deal to acquire it, hadn't, hadn't picked up the sequel rights. Uh-huh. And then obviously it became this huge franchise after that. Yeah, and I don't know if we'll talk, we may talk about the sequels, the, 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 but this first film had a a kind of an understated tone to it that I really loved. It was filmed up in uh, British Columbia in Canada, and it had this great sort of overcast gray look to it, and this really um, sort of downbeat tone to mm-hmm. it. It it wasn't the sort of uh, uh, super patriotic. Uh, you know, uh, explosion fest that uh, some of the later films became. Um, that's what I really liked about it. Is really Stallone's performance was very low key uh, in the film, and he gives I think a terrific performance in the movie. And um, I, I, I always another thing I always loved about this movie when I was in high school in that same creative writing class, my friend Brad and I decided to make uh, for a school project a a parody of First Blood that we called First Detention. And so we borrowed a video camera and we went out into the mountains of Colorado and we're filming uh, various scenes, uh, recreating various scenes from the movie, like the the famous Troutman radio call where he's listing off all his buddies that that were all in detention, but not me. He gave me my first detention. And we had a motorcycle. We did some motorcycle stunts. Uh, Where'd you get the helicopter? We hadn't worked that out yet before we uh, we got bored and, and stopped making it. Did you temp it with Jerry Goldsmith, I hope? <laughs> yeah, though, yeah, you bring up another great point. Jerry, the great Jerry Goldsmith did the score to this film. And it's a, a, a really another terrific sort of low-key score. It's great. It's great. It's a great Amazing score. Movie. I mean, oh, it's second it's, everything about it is terrific. And I have to say, what's very special about you mentioned the, the setting and, and shooting it in, in Canada, it's not very often that shooting in Canada is a decision that buys you production value. But like, but, but first blood is, is definitely, I think one of those, because it feels very rust belt. Um, Mm -hmm. It feels, you know, very like, you know, uh, the Hills of West Virginia, you know, it could be like anything. And like it, 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 it it makes it feel more like a, uh, like a a seventies movie. Oh, it totally is. Yeah. And it's it's just, funny you mentioned that. I believe the novel was set in Kentucky or West Virginia or somewhere. It was set in the Rust Belt. So there you go. I mean, it, it all just kind of works. And he feels like a real guy that you don't want to screw with, but he kind of doesn't want you to screw with him either. Right? It's like he would, he just sells like he, he wants to be left alone. He just wants to get something to eat in town. You're yeah, pushing me. Yeah, well, you didn't mention what a great performance Brian Dennehy gets. Mm-hmm. He starts out as a sort of warm, avuncular guy who's just trying to be nice, but he's really, a, you know, son of a bitch. 
And you find out, you know, how sadistic he is throughout the movie. And he sort of brings this down on the town because he's such an asshole. But it's a great performance by Denny. He, Denny was great in everything. Oh, yeah. And of course, Always. in the 80s, you know, he's in a bunch of movies that we, you know, nobody ever talks about, but like bestseller. And yeah, um, isn't he an FX with Brian he Brown? Is an FX. And, you know, he never gets enough enough credit i mean cocoon we've talked about in the past yeah. i mean he's just ter- ter- terrific That's a good actor. point he's one of the great character actors of the time yeah. that yeah he was tra- and, and and there's and also in the film there's a almost a blink and you'll miss it performance by david caruso oh yeah that's right. one of the uh, police officers yeah I think that's it's right re- before he quit movies to go to TV. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's a really good pick. And, and I'll tell you, I hate the Rambo movies. I mean, with a passion, I hate the Rambo movies. But I really like First Blood. Like, First Blood's a real movie. You know, it's well-directed. It's a great performance. It's well-written. It's understated. You know, then it just becomes this rah-rah 80s nonsense, uh, you know, Reagan-era kind of bullshit. But um, it's such a good movie, First Blood. And... Um, you know, really well directed, and uh, you know, Kren is great. Dennehy's great. Stallone is great. You know, uh, it's just a really, really good, good movie. It's amazing Agreed. that movie became a franchise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Where does it? Where does it go? You know, <laughs> yeah, you know right. oh, I guess it goes there. Thanks to well, we can talk about. We might end up talking about that. Well, it's so. it's because it's because Stallone uh, puts his Katra in. Uh, uh, <laughs> Well, Brian Dennehy's uh, uh, mind. <laughs> what's so funny is totally, totally what the, the shift, the tonal shift it goes through is very similar to another big franchise of his, which I'm sure we'll talk about. So, right. okay, that brings us to Tuesday and Darren Docterman. Well, Tuesday, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Uh, do a a solid Darren pick this week. I'm not going to try and invade over uh, uh, over Ashley's turf. And, you know there are uh, uh, places in Wednesday. I advise you not to invade. <laughs> By the um, way, did you I, see that tank sorry. that blown up Russian tank with Wolverines written on the side of <laughs> yeah. it? And you, that yeah. was that was <laughs> awesome. Way to go, Ukraine. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, Darren. Yeah, go ahead. So anyway, <laughs> Tuesday um, brings us to, uh, I'm not going as far back as 1974 with uh, Lords of Flatbush, which we might revisit later. We might. Um, but uh, I'm going straight I was the Lord to, of Flatbush. I I'm sure you were. One. You did. What happened? Uh, <laughs> but... <laughs> I'm going straight to the pop culture nexus that brought us Sly Stallone and going to 1976 Rocky. Break the guy's tongue, he gets laid off, right? He can't make it. Yeah, well, don't figure it. Let me do the figuring, okay, Rock? From here, just let me do the figuring. Come on! Wanna hit on me? Come on! I'll break both your arms so they don't work for you. 
talked about it before he wrote the script himself and he was able to parlay it into a starring role for himself uh, after a lot of struggle uh actually um but luckily he uh he hooked up with uh, producer erwin winkler and uh, uh and robert chardoff um and uh, they helped him uh bring this to fruition mm. uh of course they uh they brought in a, a, a great director, John Avildsen, uh, to uh, to helm this, and had an amazing cast to support him, uh, including uh, you know f- almost fresh off of uh, the Godfather movies, Talia Shire, and uh, the great Burt Young playing probably one of the most despicable human beings you'd ever seen <laughs> in a film oh uh, that isn't that isn't a villain. Yeah. Um, it's uh, it's so good. I, I watched it uh, again uh, a couple weeks ago, actually, even before we decided to do this week. Um, but it's so good. And just watching it from beginning to end, you are so with Rocky Balboa mm. all the way. You feel his pain. You feel his shame. You feel his struggle. And my god he is just he is just so um amazingly 
developed as a character from very, uh, very simple means within the screenplay. So human. Um, it's incredibly human. So and human. The, the love story in it is so great. I mean, Rocky is a love story mm. with some boxing in it. Yeah. I don't uh, think the first but, boxing match is until about an hour into the movie yes. after that opening scene. Yeah. But it's it's so well done. All the performances are so good. Especially the turtles. Um, especially the turtles, Cuff and Link. Uh, and, of course, Butkus, his dog that he gets from Talia Shire. Um, the, the movie is so sweet and real. It's it's got grit all over it. I mean, you spend time with Rocky in these really rundown places, the place where he trains uh, with uh, Meredith Burgess. No, Burgess <laughs> Meredith to uh, uh, to become the fighter that he uh, can be. Uh, and what a great performance by Burgess Meredith, too. He's iconic. Uh, without being cartoony, it's it's a really fine line between going into cartoon land with him. But he is so real and and filthy and gritty and oh my god, you just have to you just have to um, marvel at all the performances. That's what makes this movie go. And uh, honestly, the uh, the development and filming of the boxing matches themselves are brilliant. And I got to say, I like the boxing matches in this film better than I don't do. Don't you say it. With don't, Scorsese's. Oh, I agree. Yeah, raging, oh. raging Bull. I agree. Raging Bull. Because you know what? The, the dance of boxing is apparent in this film, where it isn't in Raging Bull. In Raging Bull, it's really, it's really, uh, it's horrible. It's it's uh, it's uh, uh, it's a battle in Raging Bull. But the you know, the sweet science, as it was called, uh, of boxing is really well done in this. And uh, oh, my God, uh, Carl Weathers as Apollo Creed, uh, the 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 heavyweight champion of the world. You know, obviously, he's sort of standing in for uh, Muhammad Ali, perhaps. Uh, and it's so interesting seeing the behind the scenes at work uh with uh with his uh group um it's uh, it's really amazing and in-depth and fascinating to watch the stages that rocky goes through uh to become a contender um i'm not going to spoil the ending but uh it's so well done and it's the right ending for it and mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it is extremely satisfying an ending and uh if you haven't seen it for god's sakes what are you waiting for it's one of the greatest american films ever made and uh it's beautiful yeah. that and, was an and, amazing year too didn't it beat network and all the president's men yeah. and for uh, best I picture was, yeah, yeah it was uh, 76 with the with the awards in 77 so yeah i, I believe so but uh I, I just got to tell you, at at uh, in uh, summer band camp. No, this isn't that kind of story. Uh, but uh, all the trumpeters 
just off any cuff, they, they would just start playing the freaking Rocky music. Uh, you know, one would start and then another one would join and then another one would join. And it was really annoying. So in, uh, you know, the summer of 1977, uh, summer it was, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's such Crazy. a terrific theme that is used to brilliant effect in the movie. You Absolutely. hear that fanfare right at Bill the beginning. Conti, Bill Conti created an iconic theme and uh, an iconic score for the film. And even as iconic in the, as Eye of the Tiger. In the, Almost. In the sequels, even like, you know, even in the Creed movies, when you hear those little snippets, it's instantly yeah. recognizable. It just sends that shiver down your spine. But I... I just want to say that the character of Rocky, I, I can't emphasize enough how interesting, like he's such a 70s character, because when you meet him, he's kind of this lovable loser, but he's a freaking crook. He's a leg breaker for the mob, basically. I mean, he's, yeah. he's not a particularly nice guy. You could argue that the people he beats up deserve, you know, got into trouble. But, got, but. at least what we see in the film uh is that he doesn't really like to go through with it. Yeah. Uh, which is, you know, but it's amazing the the relationship between uh, him and his uh, his you know, boss, who is played by uh, the great uh, character actor who was in uh, the uh, um, uh, uh, Joe Spinell. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. He was uh, he was Cheech in uh, in uh, Godfather, too. But um, he's so what a great relationship that they have. I mean, he's he's almost a father figure to him, even though, you know, the business that he does is is uh, shifty. And uh, and Rocky is is basically uh, his Luca Brasi. But uh, it's it's so it's so nuanced and nothing is exactly as you think it is. And it's so it's so great. I love this movie. Yeah, if you want to dismiss Sylvester Stallone as either an actor or a writer, watch this movie and then you know, yeah, reassess. then then come back. <laughs> yeah, here, here's the crazy thing. You know, people talk about oh, you know, oh, the problem with the Academy Awards is they don't nominate stuff like the Speed Force that we, you know, we, we <laughs> nobody knows, nobody knows. Uh, uh, you know, best you, these best pictures, they're all like these arty films. Like, you know, we have to find like these really commercial movies. So this is what was nominated uh, from 76 and 77, which I alluded to before. So Rocky, which won best picture, Taxi Driver, Network, All the President's Men and Bound for Glory. So you didn't need 10 nominees. You didn't need to find yeah. the popular films because these were the popular films. Yeah. And they're all masterpieces. Yep. Every one of them. One thing I, I would like to say, I want to talk about the end of this movie without talking about the end of the movie. Right. Um, what they accomplish, and you allude to this, and with that ending, it is so difficult to pull off what is pulled off in that yep. film. Um, to make all of those emotions work right, to make the ending feel honest, but satisfying, um, it, you know, without again, kind of going into detail to, to kind of, you know, split how it all works out, but like, but it is, there's a reason why you want to play. It's like, you're talking about the guys of the trumpets, man, I played trumpet. I mean, <laughs> there's a reason why you want to play that. It's like, it's not just because it's a great song. It's because of what that song represents. Because of the, it represents yeah. how you feel. How it, it makes you feel. 
Yeah. And the other thing is, and this is this is a slightly larger bit of conversation, but it made me think about how, you know, in the 70s, and maybe before, you know, it, when movies were over, they were over, yeah. man. When, when Rocky <laughs> is done, it's done. Yeah. It, there aren't 12 denouements like <laughs> after it where we sort of talk about the movie that we just saw. Mm. You know, it's the 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 finale has occurred. We have dealt with what the hero needs and wants yeah. and has earned and has they not. end it when the story is over. The yeah, classic the classic Billy Wilder rule of screenwriting. When you're done, yeah. get out. Right. Does, does it end on a freeze frame? Is it? It, it yeah. does. Yeah. And, and, but what happened to that? Like, what happened? How are we in this place where we have to have like after the ending, twelve minutes of ending <laughs> after the ending? It, it's just it's an odd place to be yeah. when you it's, realize how effective it is just to get done and get out. I gotta say, it's these deconstructionist directors and writers who who want to do one up on everything that's been done before them. And so they got to be different. They got they can't fit into the box, so to speak. And uh, it's uh, it, it just, sometimes if it isn't handled correctly, it gets really boring. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like I said, the ending is extremely satisfying, mm. and it completely makes sense. And you know exactly why it ended that way. Well, you talked about all these magnificent character actors like Burgess Meredith and Carl Weathers and everything. And, and the thing that's so interesting is as big and over the top and campy as the franchise got, the, 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 what grounded it were these characters. And that's why you could go as goofy and as big as, as uh, well, you know, Rocky Three, which is super fun, which is basically a comic book movie, but it's great. But, you know, and then you can come back from the disaster that's Rocky Five and do Rocky Balboa. So, um, you know, these characters are so rich and so interesting to explore. And I'm sure we will as we go on. So that brings us to Wednesday and Ashley Edward Miller. So I'm going to do some some movie math talking about about Rocky and uh, some links to the Wednesday pick that, uh, that aren't necessarily apparent. But we have to do a little bit of seven degrees of, of uh, Sylvester Stallone and Kevin Bacon and all that other stuff. Uh, you know, John G. Allison directed uh, Rocky, did an amazing job. He directed another movie that was very much in that vein. Uh, it was incredibly popular, um, had uh, several sequels as well, kicked off like an amazing uh, a television show that's a spiritual sequel. Literally kicked off. Literally kicked off. <laughs> uh, the, the Karate Kid. Um, and uh, which is also has like many of those same features that uh, that we talked about with Rocky, but obviously it's, it's, it's a different kind of film. Now, there's a person in the cast of, uh, of the Karate Kid. He's a, he's a major character in Cobra Kai. Um, it's uh, John Kreese. Uh, played by the great Martin Cove, a uh, great character actor, very like sort of scary sort of like, you know, he's a badass. He's a, yeah, exactly. He's a badass. You know, he's the guy that you want on your side uh, in a bar fight. And um, what, uh, what, what people may not know is that Martin Cove and Sylvester Stallone uh, were in a movie together. Uh, back in 1975, a- a- another, uh, it, you know, uh, Stallone opus 
that had like a, a number of terrific character actors. Um, aside from uh, Martin Cove, I mean, you have Fred Grandy who played Gopher on the Love Boat. Uh, David Carradine, I mean, from Kung Fu, and who doesn't love a little Kung Fu? Um, you have Paul Bartel, who also directed the film. I am referring uh, to 1975's uh, trans, like, continental road race, uh, death race. Of course you are. Thousand. <laughs> The year 2000. America is a vast speedway. People line the streets to witness the greatest drivers on earth in a race from sea to shining sea. This is a death race. You finish first, or not at all. Death Race 2000. Every car a deadly weapon. Every spectator a potential point. cross-country road wreck, and the traffic is murder. Who are you, anyway? Best driver on earth. I don't want you to die. He was built by the world's finest surgeons to drive the fastest car ever designed, and nothing can stop him now. Death Race 2000, rated R. You're goddamn right, Wednesday is back, and you had better believe it. I've got my last, last week I learned a valuable lesson. I let myself get thrown by Darren's return of the Jedi pick. I I didn't know what to do with it, (laughs) but now I know, now I know who I have to be. And I want to thank you, Darren, for helping me find myself. (laughs) Because when I thought about what I was going to do this week, there were so many movies. I was like, oh, I could do that. I could do that. I was like, no, no. There's only, there's only one thing, one card I can play. And that's the that's the Roger the death Corman race card. card. That's the death race card. <laughs> Frankenstein. Um, <laughs> Frankenstein. Yeah. Look, it is difficult to explain to people what Death Race Two Thousand is like um, without them having seen it first. It's just one of those films. But basically, here's what's interesting: it's a post-apocalyptic film. Uh, it posits that in 1979, the future, uh, there was a world crash. And what happened in the aftermath of that was what is broadly implied to be a uh, sort of a worldwide uh, dictatorship that's led by Mr. President, uh, who lives at the, in the Summer Palace in China. It is all just sort of very random. Um, and the way... This is all that, because Star Trek The Motion Picture didn't make it to theaters in time in this alternate universe. That's exactly, you know what, that's exactly what, what happened. Um, and I think that's going to be Picard season four. <laughs> is the uh, it's going to be the that's going to be the plot of the show, um, but uh, the way that they give the the people their bread and circuses is they have these road races. It's kind of like they have professional wrestlers, basically, or are the drivers? Um, or they, they they behave like professional wrestlers. They have their identities. There's like Matilda the Hun, right? Um, and uh, David Carradine plays Frankenstein. And the story about Frankenstein is that he's been through all of these crashes and they keep putting him back together and he just keeps racing. And Sylvester Stallone is kind of the second banana in this film, but he's great. He's charismatic. He's Sylvester Stallone. He plays Joe Machine Gun Viterbo. And I think we see for the first time what it looks like when Sylvester Stallone picks up a machine gun and fires it at a lot of people. I mean, he does the sneer, the, uh, like he's, 
it looks straight out of Rambo. Uh, he's fantastic. Um, you know, he, uh, he's, he's the, uh, he's the main, um, sort of force of opposition, uh, for, for David Carradine's Frankenstein in the movie. Um, spoiler alert. He, you know, he, he doesn't, this movie doesn't have like 12 endings and a long denouement. Uh, but uh, I will say that, uh, that machine gun, uh, Joe Viterbo, um, doesn't fare quite as well as Rocky. I think that's fair to say. Um, look, when this movie came out, uh, Roger Ebert famously gave it zero stars. <laughs> if you um, want a movie, if you want a movie that's more regulated than Mad Max, uh, this is it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. It's like, I was thinking about Mad Max because so much of this film feels like a rough sketch of what would yeah. become Mad Max. Exactly. From the crazy car designs to just the, the concept of it to just having characters like literally named Mr. President or <laughs> Matilda the Hun. I mean, Matilda <laughs> the Hun is just such a great name. I can't tell you that this movie is like, is one of the, it's ever going to make the AFI top one hundred thousand. <laughs> but what I will tell you is this, if, if this is your jam, and this is, this is my jam among many different jams. Um, if you want to see something that you truly just have not really quite seen before yet is weirdly delightful. I mean, how can you not love a movie where uh, you know, the, the drivers don't just get points for winning the race. They get points for hitting pedestrians. <laughs> and you get more points for hitting old people and children. Yeah. Right? How could you not love a movie where uh, the it turns out that retirement homes um, have, like, uh, you know, basically days where, like, during the race, they'll put, like, all their really old people out in the middle of the road just to get hit and wiped yeah. out. Right. Or Martin, I'm sure DeSantis will be doing that in Florida yeah. soon. Or, or Martin Cove, like, decides to veer off, like, uh, to, to run over a family. Veer off. A picnic. And it turns out that the family leaves the baby behind. He, he goes for the baby because the baby is worth 70 points. And the baby's, well, yeah. you the got baby's a bomb. I mean, come on. The baby's a bomb. Guys, this movie. I mean, what else do you want? You got exploding babies. You got fast cars. You've got like just insane, insane uh, storytelling. You've got Sylvester Stallone shooting a machine gun at a crowd full of people. Um, I give this movie two thumbs up. We know. 2,000 thumbs. 2,000 thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> One thumb up per year since Christ was born. <laughs> Happy Easter. Happy um, Easter. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. It's I, a perfect I, way to say I, 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 I'm still was recovering from last week and Return of the Jedi. <laughs> and now uh, Death Race 2000 in the Wednesday slot for Stallone. It, it, it makes me rethink my whole choice for uh, Thursday. <laughs> Question my choices in life. But, um, you know, so I, I'm going to I'm going to have to flip the script. <laughs> and I, I, I would say. There's one thing we always should remember. Crime is the disease. Oh, yeah. 
Crime is the disease. <laughs> and while Marion Crobretti was the cure, long before Sylvester Stallone played Marion Crobretti, he was the disease on a subway car where he menaced <laughs> Fielding Mellish <laughs> in bananas. <laughs> In the movie Bananas, <laughs> Sylvester Stallone plays a thug on a subway car who menaces poor Woody Allen, Fielding Mellish, before he flees to San Marcos, where he inadvertently is part of a coup d'etat in the small town, as narrated by Howard Cosell. <laughs> No, bananas is not my pick. Okay. I am not Wednesday. <laughs> I don't know who I am anymore. I am not Wednesday. I will not be a party to this insanity. <laughs> Instead, Steve, with a very good pick, with I have to say, with uh, First Blood, uh, Darren with a phenomenal pick, and John Avelson's Rocky. So, you know, I thought about Rocky Three, which is a personal fun, a fun film. You know, but I, I don't think, I, you know, given the breadth of his career, you know, I don't think we need to necessarily um, put another Rocky film. And at least at this point, you know, I thought about, well, you know, he does star with Woody Allen and Ants, which is, I think, better than Bugs Life. But that's not my pick. My pick in honor of Darren Document is the film in which he stars with Billy D. Williams and Persis Combata, Nighthawks. Is this trip business or pleasure? Pleasure, I hope. Welcome to the United States. Hamer Reinhardt, sometimes called Wolfgar. Born Frankfurt, Germany, 1946. Educated Paris and Patrice Lumumba University, Moscow. Currently self-employed. Occupation, international terrorist. You are to be indoctrinated in counter-terrorist techniques. Deke De Silva, age 35. Born and raised New York City. Honorable discharge, U.S. Army, 1972. 52 registered kills. Occupation, cop. One man can bring the world to its knees. And only one man can stop him. Universal Pictures presents Sylvester Stallone in Nighthawks, coming in April. Now, Persis Kambada is back in the conversation. That's right. And she has hair. And <laughs> the thing about, the th have you seen Nighthawks? It's a terrific yeah. nail-biting yeah. thriller set in Manhattan with some great set pieces, including on the Roosevelt uh, Island tra uh, uh, tram. Ferry. Right, 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 you know, right around the time that it was built, some great stunts. Rutger Hauer is basically Carlos the Jackal, but he plays what Wolfgang, I think. Wolf, Wolfgang the Jackal, 
<laughs> so Wolfgang, Jackal the Wolf. But it shows the 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 depth of Kabbalah because everybody thinks you mentioned Stallone, and you you kind of think of that ongoing battle in the '80s between Stallone and Schwarzenegger for box office dominance. You know that Rambo. You know uh, um, uh, uh, movies like The Specialist, which was totally a paycheck gig. Him is and, and Sharon Stone has a great John Barry score. That's about it. Um, you know, and then the Canon films where he got paid, you know, the, the most money ever. What was it? $20 million to Correct. make over the top about arm wrestling, <laughs> about arm wrestling. He played Lincoln Hawk, the world's greatest arm wrestler, you know? So, you know, the eighties, you know, he, he, he was like cashing in on his fame, but he made some really bad movies. I know a lot of people like Tango and Cash, I'm sure, uh, you know, um, Ashley's one of them, but for me, um, you know, I prefer his work in the 70s, you know, because not only do you have something like Nighthawks uh, in the early 80s, late 70s, early 80s, but you also have movies like Victory yeah. by the great uh-huh. John Huston, which is also, uh, you know, a terrific film Houston. with our, our favorite Michael Caine and Pele. And <laughs> <Come on>. uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, you know, I, my my pick for Thursday um, is is going to be uh, is going to be Nighthawks because you know what's interesting when you you put Sly up against Schwarzenegger you know in the action department you know it's like Schwarzenegger has Terminator you know and 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 you know all these great movies and then Sly has all these great action movies but where he really doesn't compete with Schwarzenegger is on the comedy front because all right. I mean Oscar Stopper My Mom Will Shoot Rhinestone <laughs> these are terrible movies mm. and it's not oh, that he can't be. And it's not that he can't be funny because just recently you saw him in Suicide Squad. He's hysterical as King Shark, right? So I don't know. You know, maybe it's just the material, the choice of material. Yeah, absolutely. Perhaps. I remember seeing. I only saw Nighthawks once. I think uh, back in the eighties, uh, it was we bought a uh, a used VHS player and uh, one of the tapes that came with it. The former owner had taped Nighthawks off of cable TV or something. Wow. So I watched it and I, and I remember liking it, but you know, this is 40 years ago. I really don't remember much about it. Well, Steve, it might be something worth revisiting. It might because be. It's a, Do you still have the tape? <laughs> no, it, it's actually out on, on, on Blu-ray with all the original music rights restored, including the Rolling Stones, Brown Sugar. So, uh, well, I'm definitely going to watch Death Race 2000 because I don't know how I never saw that movie. I love the Mad Max movies, and uh, it sounds crazy, but somehow I, I managed to not see that one. Well, maybe you should make it a double feature, Steve. Yeah. Maybe you should watch yeah. Death Race 2000 and Nighthawks. I think that's an excellent idea. Persis Kabata. She's <laughs> one of the villains. <laughs> yeah. Viger has entered to Earth to find and blow up the, the creator. The unit. <laughs> And and Lindsay Wagner is in it, the Bionic Woman. I know you like her. She's sure. luminous, and, and she, she doesn't. She's not messing around. She's playing, not playing tennis in this one. <laughs> yeah, but it's interesting because even with Nighthawks, this came on the heels of Rocky. You know, um, uh, 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 basically <laughs> Gary Nelson, the director of the Black Hole, was supposed to direct it. He gets fired and replaced, and um, but but Sly is really the one calling the shots, and he does a cut. Um, he apparently at the time he was very jealous of Rucker Hauer, who was giving like a real tour de force performance, and 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 uh, so Stallone started cut, cutting all of his good scenes and filming new scenes with himself. And in retrospect, even when he looks back, he admits he was 
a real egotistical jerk back then. I mean, which, you know, you got to give him credit for owning up to that. Uh, and I think there's probably a better movie in Nighthawks had. Um, there know. has to be. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> there's got to be something better than this. Got to be. How, 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 do you, how do you not like Nighthawks? It, some things come easy to me. I'm sorry, Mark. But, okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So like that, that, that takes us to, to um, Friday. And I have to ask, you know, I think one of his absolute worst movies, much like uh, um, how Darren uh, revisited Star Trek's motion picture, Stallone got to revisit Rocky Four, mm, and yeah. they released it as Rocky versus Drago. They got rid of the 80s robot and they added in a bunch of footage. Anyone has anyone seen this yet? Yeah, I, I watched it. it. I, how is it? It's good. It's funny. Like, uh, I, you know, but when it came out uh, on uh, for for streaming, uh, I wanted to see it in the theater, but uh, I, I missed it when it was briefly in theaters. So mm. I, I did a whole Rocky marathon. I just got out my Blu-ray set and just watched them all in sequence. And when I got to Rocky four, I watched the new cut. And uh, I think I'd only seen the original cut once or twice. Uh, I thought it was good. It's it's definitely it's a solid movie, and you know that much like uh, Rocky Three, it's it's kind of easy to make fun of because it's kind of cheesy and over the top. With I mean, Rocky Three, Mr. T is a freaking force of nature in that movie. He's so charismatic. He's so much fun. It's mm -hmm. a really super entertaining movie with a great theme song. Then you get to Rocky Four, and it's that whole Cold War, you know, fighting the Soviet super tanker with the. Uh, Oh, uh, with Dolph Lundgren, uh, yeah. you know, as the boxer, and and you know, you get another training montage, except this time he's out in the snows of Soviet Russia, and it goes on. It's like an MTV music video. It goes on yeah. for fifty minutes, and the movie was only like eighty minutes to yeah. begin with. <laughs> but it's a, it's a, I don't know. I, I think it's I think it's an definitely an improvement. Uh, mm. The tone is more in keeping uh, with the other movies. It doesn't feel as, as goofy as the original could get sometimes, but uh, yeah, definitely worth your time. Well, yeah. it, look, I haven't seen that, but I'll tell you what I have seen that I think that everyone should see. And I think is actually a, a decent contender for, for, for Friday, even though it's, it's not very long. So it's easy to watch. Uh, there is a, a, a parody, uh, of 30 for 30 ESPN. Uh, that was basically what if Rocky Four was real? What if it actually happened? And the <laughs> premise is that because of that fight, uh, the, the Cold War comes to an end. <laughs> and it's everybody looking back at that, that fight and just talking about what an awful fight it actually is. But as though it's like it's something that transformed like, you know, the, the progress of world history. You know, it's like, they're like 95, 96 punches, no defense. I've never seen a fight like that. It's just, <laughs> it's, it is, it will have you just dying. It's, it has interviews with like these historians talking about like, you know, the historical <laughs> importance of like, of what happened next. And, and like these Russians talking about what it was like to sort of sit in the audience. And then suddenly every, everyone was standing. Rocky. Rocky. I mean, it's just, I, I, I cannot recommend it highly enough. Uh, yeah. when, when the show hits, I'll, I'll drop a link. That sounds hilarious because that's one of the great things about Rocky Four when he's, you know, 
fighting they stand Drago. up and applaud. Yeah, and uh, he's basically like punching the communism out of the Soviet Union or something, you know, like <laughs> like winning over this crowd. Yeah, and they're all standing and cheering, and the uh, you know the Soviet apparatchik, you know, up in their their uh, their their private boot, you know, up in their little private row, like looking around, appalled that this Amerikansky is winning over. Yeah, he was the Jesse Owens so of, uh, of 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 that fight. So you know, I have to say, for, for me, there's a huge difference between Rocky Three and Rocky Four. Like, I think Rocky Three is the first of the Rocky comic book movies, but it's yeah. a really good comic book. Like right. you, all the Mr. T stuff. My prediction for the fight, pain. pain. You know, and <laughs> it, there's so much heart in Burgess Meredith's death scene, yeah. which drives Rocky. You know, after Spoiler he gets alert. complete. Well, I assume people have seen it. The movie is from 1982, so. Um, you know, after he gets pulverized by Hulk Hogan, you know, so and, you know, for he's afraid to come back. Like it's dealing with some really interesting, heavy things. Oh, it's true. I mean, Rocky, he's he's full of arrogance after Rocky, too. You know, he's on top mm-hmm. of the world and he's not taking it seriously. And Mr. T is young and hungry and beats the shit out of him. Yeah, which is which is great. And Rocky yeah. four is basically the same movie, yeah. only this time. It's Carl Weathers, you know, and he doesn't, and he's, and, and there's the unstoppable killing machine in Dolph Lundgren. But it's, that's not a good movie. Of now, course. I don't know about the new cut, but Rocky Four was a terrible movie. Not as terrible as Rocky and Five. Then, and then Rocky Five is worse. But then what's <laughs> amazing is Rocky Balboa, Balboa is great. Really, and yeah. so is Creed. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, when, when, um, during my rewatch, I got to Rocky Balboa. Like this movie has lost none of its power. I mean, seeing Stallone getting back into the ring and that great line—it's not, you know, it's not how hard you can punch; it's how hard you can get punched and keep going. Yeah. It, it's terrific. And then Creed, go moving into Creed and Creed Two. Yeah. I mean, just terrific. Beautiful. I think that's why people remember Rocky Four uh, more fondly because Creed sure. Two is elevated. Rocky Four because of the way it used the mythology in Creed Two. Yeah, yeah. Which, uh, those are both very you know good movies. Creed and I and think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Stallone p- p- playing Rocky, he's now holds the record for the actor playing the same character over the longest period of time in movies. More than Basil mm-hmm. Rathbone and Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> wow, I think. So. Well, is that longer than 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 Shatner playing Kirk? No, that feels impossible. Because well, Rocky, that, that, it, that is mathematically 40, impossible. But well, Shatner 40, hasn't played Kirk in since '94. I mean, thirty years. Yeah, no, uh, forty-two years. years. Oh, you, uh, you, you mean not not the times that he's in a movie, but the years that he's played it. Hmm. Well, I mean, as old as his turtles. I mean, weird the tour, which are still alive, I believe. He, I, yeah, I think they he are. Has them. Uh, yeah, you know, Rocky was nineteen seventy six. Creed two is two thousand eighteen. I think it's forty two okay. years playing that same character on in movies. All right. Okay. I, I think that's true. I didn't I know, know there was an award. Well, then, but okay, then, uh, <laughs> then what about if we're going to play it that way? Then Leonard Nimoy. Oh yeah, you're yeah. right. Yeah, Leonard. Yeah, because he's in, yeah. in Into Darkness wins. too. Yep. Yeah, well, victory for Nimsy. So, does the television series count? I mean, I, I think it's. Oh, no, even if it nice. doesn't, even yeah. if it doesn't, 1979 to, you know, 2015. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, anyway, look, I, I, I want to take us away from Rocky Land. <laughs> Just temporarily. No! Right. Yeah. Get out of the because, corner! Get out of the corner! In, in, the, uh, in, the, in the 90s, Stallone 
uh, did a couple of uh, really big budget, crappy sci-fi movies. Yep. And uh, I worked on one of them. Uh, I worked on uh, Demolition Man. Well, the one John, with the two um, shells. John Spartan. How does that work? One with three <laughs> shells. <laughs> three shells. Sorry. Yeah. So I you thought shells. you knew how to operate them. You don't. You no, don't yeah, know. I, would have, I, would I would have only been using the two shells. Yes. Yeah. Um, but and and uh, the second one, of course, is Judge Dredd. Oh, yeah. Which is on my guilty pleasures <laughs> list. Um, it's let's talk about Judge Dredd first. It is so much fun and crappy goodness. Um, he waltzes through this movie. Crappy goodness. <laughs> he like waltzes that. through this movie with such style and grace and bullshit that uh, it is so fun to watch him snarl and uh, and uh, uh, overact his way through this movie. And so many big actors are in it. And Armand Asante's great in it. Armand Asante is, am- is amazing. And, uh, you know. The, uh, the Cured as a song. Uh, and and uh, 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 Max Foncito as the, as the head uh, justice is so great. And the scene where he goes out into the, uh, into the uh, wilderness is so well done. And it uh, it just is thrilling. But yeah, there's a lot of stupid things that happen in this movie. But the great things that happen are really great. And then how often did that Jerry Goldsmith trailer music end up in every trailer for the next 10 oh, years? Yes, oh, absolutely. Jerry Goldsmith was going to do the score for the movie. He didn't, but he did wind up doing the score for the trailer. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> and it's it's uh, it's so good. Uh, uh, what, what's his name? Um, uh, the guy who did Back to the Future. Yeah, um, uh, Alan Silvestri. Alan Silvestri, forgive yeah. me, um, uh, wound up doing the score, which is also pretty good. Yeah. Uh, but uh, look, I love Judge Dredd, and I really like Demolition, Demolition Man. Demolition Man it's, is fun. It's it's just as goofy, but it's a little more uh, slick and fun, and uh, a little more, uh, there's a little more um, story going on in it, which is fascinating. Um and of course, it uh, it ha- the the names of the characters are great. Sylvester Stallone plays John Spartan, uh, and Wesley Snipes plays Simon Phoenix, rising <laughs> from the frozen ashes of his previous life. And it's just so much fun. He's uh, funny it, in it too. Yeah, it it really sets up a uh, a pretty interesting world uh, for the future. And uh, who who knew that uh, all this stuff would be happening uh, at the San Diego uh, Convention Center? <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember a couple of years ago, for no reason whatsoever, they rebranded Taco Bell as De- yes. as Demolition Man Taco Bell at San Diego yes. Comic Con. But there was no tie-in with anything. It wasn't like right. there was a new Demolition Man. They just did. It was the weirdest thing. Yeah. And they were giving out free tacos and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Well, it, was, it, was, it was the year. It was the year Demolition Man took place, right? Isn't that? Why oh, they did maybe it? that that, that might have well, been might, why. That makes okay. sense. But um, still, why spend the was, money? Well, <laughs> come on. I don't know because because they were they were doing their victory lap as the winner of the fast food wars. Oh yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I guess so. I guess that's um, a good. One. And that's a great cast too. I mean, yeah, so absolutely. many great actors. You know, quote unquote slumming, but it's it, they're fun. It's fun. Yeah. He's fun in it, and. Um, and it's a hoot. It's it's a yeah. big, goofy, fun, 
uh, movie. And I, like I said, including he, uh, including original Jean Luc Picard, uh, Nigel Hawthorne. No, yeah. he, he was. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, he he was going to be the captain of the Voyager. Oh, you're right. Thank you. Sorry. Yeah, you know who I, I you know what I really liked in the '90s. You mentioned two big sci-fi movies. I think Cliffhanger is great, which mm-hmm. was you know a series of Die Hard. This was Die Hard on a Mountain. Right. But, uh, you know, Ray, Ray Harlan directed. I think it's a terrific movie. Uh, it, well, it just, um, it, it, no, I'm sorry. It, it just reminds me of a scene from uh, uh, the uh, Pet Detective Part 2, where they do a takeoff on Cliffhanger, where Jim Carrey is trying to rescue this uh, this raccoon that's hanging on a uh, on a, a wire and he's crawling across the precipice to get it. And, and then the raccoon falls to his death, but it's hilarious. But I, I <laughs> so like that scene for... better than I do cliffhanger. But that's okay. <laughs> I want to fly the flag for Cobra. I mean, uh, Martin, you brought okay. it up, Ooh. but it's like George P. Cosmatos who directed Cosmatos. great tunes. Cosmatos. Cosmatos. Well, his kid, by the way, is also an insanely like weird and gifted director. Um, who directed Mandy, but uh, he directed Tombstone, um, which is one of my favorite movies. Or did he? Uh, or that's why they kept hiring him. That's the why they hired him. Cobra <laughs> is, you think about like some of like the, the, the things that we like to, uh, to quote uh, Sylvester Stallone, I am your disease, I'm the cure. You know what I mean? Like, all these things like that come from Cobra. Look, I don't want to say that okay, Cobra what else is came a from good Cobra? movie. Uh, well, nothing. Only things <laughs> that came from Cobra. I'm, I'm asking. Just, just like, just what we like, what we call these things that could have come from Cobra. All these things that could have come from Cobra. Bridget like, Nielsen. Bridget Nielsen, Nielsen came from Cobra. <laughs> right. Who, by the way, like, I just find it interesting because we know that Beverly Hills Cop was originally written for Sylvester Stallone. Yes. Right? right. Which explains a lot about kind of like, and it ended up working to that movie's benefit, like about that, that movie's tone and kind of how the way it works. And a lot of the things um, that were envisioned for that version of the film ultimately kind of became what Cobra is. Cobra is not a good movie. I believe Steve Crozier, it might be like on his, uh, his he's a super fan. He's a Cobra made. super fan. Yeah. And yeah. Like, we should bring him in here to like to talk about it. And I'm sure he has a, he has opinions, but, um, <laughs> but it's just, it seems to encapsulate like as a film, everything that was right and wrong about Sylvester Stallone action movies, like it sort of summed it up or, or like it was shed like a skin of evil. It's one of those two things. <laughs> we, we should just have Steve come in every week and do the Steve Crazier minute where like, you could do Cobra. I know Jim Cotta, exactly. And now Steve Crazier with the Steve Crazier minute on Jim Cotta. And you see, sword and, of the Sorcerer. Yeah, Megaforce. <laughs> <laughs> on a Wednesday just for Steve. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, too. We're gonna need a whole Mega Force also with Persis Kambata. That's right. Yeah. See, it's, it's Persis Kambata. Week. Week. Yeah, week. It's Would you say it's a plethora of Persis? <laughs> I do not think that word means what you think it means. <laughs> well, okay, and then we didn't even talk about the Expendables, but you know what? That movie's expendable from this week. Let's not. I it's mean, it was not, a great I, idea, but I think it's fun. I like the first. I think one. it's fun too. But I wouldn't put it in the week. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what do we think? What are we thinking? Well, you're, a lot forgetting, to uh, you're, you're forgetting his great remake of Get Carter. <laughs> that was for Ely no. Samaha. That was the <laughs> that was in his paycheck gigs. Yeah. No. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm down for Demolition Man. I think it's a super fun movie. I've been meaning to revisit it myself. Uh, I haven't seen it in a while, but uh, very enjoyable. 
We already have Rocky, cool. so I'd go with Demolition Man. Yeah, I mean, I was cool. thinking more of one of the Rocky movies, but I would totally go with Demolition Man. It, it's a lot of fun. And, uh, and John we Spaden. We, we wouldn't even get uh, ticketed for uh, uh, bad language. That's true. <laughs> and, 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 you know, let's not forget, Sandra Bullock, one of her first films, she's wonderful. Yes. In. She's, she's great. delightful. Yeah, she Luminous, you Luminous. might add. <laughs> I might say. <laughs> Yeah, she's really funny in that movie. Everyone's funny yeah. in that movie. Benjamin Bratt is in it. Um, um, just well, uh, this movie is funnier than his comedy movies. No, that, exactly. That's no, the no, thing. No. He's like he's really light and fun in that, yeah. as opposed to you know he plays the man out of time. It's kind of like Sleeper. So, uh, <laughs> but it's it's fun. It's totally yeah. fun. And uh, you know some great jokes. It's aged pretty well. I mean, the whole Dennis Leary rebel subplot is yeah. sort of underbaked and very. <laughs> but it, was, it, it wasn't very good when it was first coming out. So and you know why I'm, I'm <laughs> going to go with this because I was a young journalist at the time when this movie was in production, and Warner Brothers brought me out to the set, uh, and it was the best craft services I ever had. They actually fed us steak. I was, I'm it was sure like it was filet mignon, but it was Joel Silver, right in the '90s. Yeah. So I mean, the only thing we didn't get was cocaine. We got like uh, we got steak. We That's got, just because like, you didn't know who to ask. <laughs> yeah, it was just like we got everything. It was it was a really great uh, lunch that we had there. I remember going down to that set, and they were very proud of that set uh, where where the rebels were. Yeah. I little did I know I'd be spending half my life at the uh, convention center where uh, the yeah. prominently featured. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I think Demolition Man's great. So say we all. Sure. Sure. Okay. Fantastic. Well, this is we quite have a week. week. Yeah, on the sly and very hush hush. So uh, starting on Monday with Steve, it's you had to keep pushing him. It's Sylvester Stallone in First Blood. On Tuesday, Darren, it's on Tuesday you got Rocky. (laughs) (laughs) On Wednesday, crime is the disease, but actually it's the cure. Tell us what we're seeing Wednesday. We'll get you seventy points (laughs) on the big board. (laughs) Uh, with 1975's Death Race 2000, directed by Paul Bartel. On Thursday, it's Woody Allen's Bananas. No. <laughs> <laughs> Just trying to slip that right in there. It's, it's Nighthawks. And on Friday, to wrap up the week, it's Mar- Marco Brambilla's Demolition Man. At the end of a century... Ravaged by violence, a society of perfect order will arise. Criminals will be frozen and reprogrammed in cryogenic prisons. The prisoners are ice cubes. Their criminal instincts are being reprogrammed as they sleep. Aggression and deviant behavior will be totally eliminated. He's a criminal the likes of which you have never seen. In a bad time, he was the worst. I'm gonna love running this place. But in the year 2032... This morning, Simon Phoenix escaped from this cryo facility. We are, quite frankly, not equipped to deal with the situation. Amidst a world of peace and calm... We're police officers. We're not trained for this kind of violence. How was the fiendish Simon Phoenix apprehended back in the 20th? In the end, it took just one man, John Spartan. You mean the demolition man? The 
conditions of your parole are full reinstatement into the SAPD and immediate assignment to the apprehension of Simon Phoenix. Two mortal enemies. Just dropped in to say hi. From another time. Pass is over, John. Time for something new and improved. Oh, hell. Will be unleashed on a future that isn't big enough for the both of them. Sylvester Stallone. Wesley Snipes. Demolition Man. Whatever happened to Marco from the... I have no idea. You know what happened to him? Demolition Man. (laughs) (laughs) Was that a big success? No. 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 Unfortunately. Yeah, but uh, that's why it could have been a franchise. Uh, You know what? I'm sure it'll be a TV series on HBO Max any day now. Because Nighthawks is going to be. You know that, right? It wouldn't surprise me. It's actually a oh, fact. Oh, really? They're doing Nighthawks in the TV series? I, can I take back my vote? I, I, <laughs> no, it's too late. I'm changing it to Rocky Three. already happened. I'm changing it to Return of the Jedi. Oh, may the future must. They'll make Demolition Man for a TV show. Of course they will. No, no. You know what? It's too fun. It has to be about yeah. something serious. We don't make fun. No, they can make anymore. it serious. They yeah. made everybody cry. Yeah. Once a okay. week. Okay. Well, listen, that was a, that was a fun week. Yes, indeed. And it still is. That's the media. Yeah, exactly. A lot of, lot of great movies for you to check out if you haven't seen them or watch again if you have. I know Steve's going to be watching Demolition Man <laughs> 2000 uh, as part of his Roger Corman Film Festival. And uh, Darren will be back watching Return of the Jedi again. <laughs> I don't need to watch it ever again. I know. This, that's true. Tell me about it. Okay, so, uh, well, this is a great week, and we'll be back next week with an all-new fantasy theme week here on the 430 Movie. But until then, we want to thank our great sound editor, uh, Mark Rivera, who's just doing a fantastic job under the tutelage of the great Bill Ritter, who has been very busy, but he's taught his young Padawan well. He's a good man. And and thorough. thorough. And thank our producers and our archivist, uh, Peter Holmstrom, Natalie Miscali, and you at home for listening to all this nonsense and not complaining that we missed a week. That was really considerate of you. And we'll try not to do it again, but we can't promise. And uh, until next week, on behalf of Steve, Darren, Ashley, and myself, Mark Altman, we'll see you at the movies. Until then, Eyewitness News starts now. This show is produced by Dean Devlin and Mark A. Altman and is an Electric Surge Network production.